This is your time. You were created for such a time as this. With all that's going on in our world, with all the Brian Vassell. I'm one of your pastors, and, and uh, man, what a, what a great year 2017 will be. Uh, it's going to be incredible, and I, I'm honored by Pastor Troy. Thanks, Pastor Troy, Pastor Steph, for being able to continue on the series that we started last week, which is uh, They Changed the World. If you have that outline you received when you came in, I want to invite you to take it out. Take some notes today. Write down some stuff that, you, uh, that maybe God nudges your heart to write down. It's my, my, always my goal to give you something you didn't have when you came in, so I want to encourage you to write down some great stuff. I also want to remind you with an amazing event coming up on Friday the 13th, January 13th, a women's event, a Viva women's event, totally free. Pastor Steph's going to be sharing her heart every single campus, 7 p.m., Friday the 13th. If you're a lady and you can get here, it's free, why wouldn't you come? It's all about connecting together. It's all about making, you know, connecting and growing and the importance of relationships. Pastor Steph is an amazing communicator, so it will be a, a treat. And free childcare, which is pretty cool, too. So make sure you're a part of that. Mark it down in your calendars and, and become, uh, be, be a part of that Viva women's event on Friday the 13th. All right, I wanna, as we get started, how many of you guys know what this is? Anybody know? Magic 8 Ball. I used to have one of these when I was a kid. I used to use this as a way of deciding what I wanted to do. For example, should I ask out the most popular girl in class? You turn it over and, of course, a little triangle pops up and tells you. Not a chance. Nothing has changed. <laughs> I want to see if this still works. Let's, let's ask another question that's a bit more relevant today. Should I buy Super Bowl 51 tickets to watch the Dolphins play? <laughs> you don't want to see what this says. It's all right. It doesn't matter. Just a toy. Just a toy. You all know the answer to that anyway, right? Did I have to even say it? <laughs> really, decision-making should be left up to things with wisdom, people with wisdom, things... People that have intelligence and smarts. And we're going to talk about that today. In fact, let's do this as we're getting started. All of our campuses, raise your hand if you are the key decision maker in your family. Raise your hand. <laughs> I love watching your face. You're like, honey, am I allowed to raise my hand? Is it me? Um, <laughs> it's like a relationship killer. The first two minutes, are already, you guys are already fighting. I love that. It's just, it's just fodder for the discussion on the way home, right? Well, let, let's rephrase it. How many of you would consider yourself good at making decisions? Raise your hand. All right, some more hands went up. You're braver when I ask you that question. You don't need the eight ball. You're pretty good. 
at making decisions. Good decision-making is key because if we're good at it, our life moves forward. If we're not good at it, we can set ourselves back. You know, one poor decision can set you back years sometimes or, or days or minutes or you can hurt a relationship or something can happen in your life where things fall apart. Like, should I pick this spouse to marry or not? Or what school should I put my child in? Or, or what restaurant should we go to when your wife tells you she doesn't care, but she really does care? And when you pick the restaurant, all she does is complain about it. And I just went to a very personal place. You ever been there? She doesn't care, and you pick a place, and it's like, no, you care, right? Decision-making is key. You've got to make good ones, informed ones, wisdom-filled decisions, because those are the kind of decisions that change your life. I put there a little bit of a graph. I don't know what you call it there, a scale, if you will. Uh, if you would, please fill this in. When I make decisions, I am, okay? If you are indecisive, you're a one. All the way up to ten, confident. You're a bold decision-maker. Now, if you hesitate... You probably shade more on the left side of the graph, okay? means that you're not, you, you can't really decide if you know how to decide. But circle one of those numbers. If you can co conceal it, all of our campuses and online, circle the number that best represents you. Are you a confident decision maker or are you indecisive? It really matters. It, it truly does. And we're going we're to talk about making world-changing decisions. And we're going to use one of my favorite people in the entire Bible. His name Simon Peter. You better know, you might better know, he could, some people call him Cephas or, or Peter. We're going to talk about, about Peter. And here's a little background about Peter. Peter was one of the original 12 disciples. The original 12, the people that, that Jesus picked to kind of lead his ministry out. In fact, Peter's even more special than that. He was on the inner three. Peter, James, and John. Out of all 12 of them, Peter was on the inner circle. He saw everything. He heard Christ say things to, them, to him that was exclusive to the inner three. Pretty important Disciple Peter had a brother named Andrew who was also a disciple, and it was Andrew who introduced Peter to Christ. So both of them are disciples, and Peter would go on to have an amazing ministry. Even after Christ left the earth, Peter would go on to preach. In fact, he preached in the book of Acts, you read about Pentecost and the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and all that. Peter preached during that time. In fact, he did a sermon so powerful, 3,000 people came to know Christ after one of his sermons. Peter had an amazing run with Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of the early church. Now, I'd like to tell you that Peter made every decision properly, that he did everything right. But if you know anything about Peter's story, you know that not everything he decided was always the right thing to do. But we're going to talk about three big decisions he made that if we can make similar decisions, we can be a world changer. Peter changed the world, and we can too. It depends on how we, how we would do with these three key decision. So if you have that outline again, all of our campuses, write some of this stuff down. Here's number one, the first decision Peter had to make. Do I sit, swim, or step? Please fill that in. Do I sit, swim, or step? The first major decision Peter had to make. Now here's the story. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people, the Bible tells us, with a couple of pieces of bread and some fish. And he performs this miracle on a hillside. All these people are coming up and they're hungry. And Jesus keeps breaking off bread and fish and feeding all these people. And after that miracle, the boys are tired. They've been handing out fish and, 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 and bread for a while. And Peter, uh, Jesus says, okay, get in the boat, you guys. You guys go across the lake. I'm going to go over here and pray. Now, see if you can spot. We're going to read a longer passage of scripture. Just stay with me if you would. See if you can detect, be good detectives. What is Peter's decision in this passage of scripture. Here it is. Matthew 14, 22 to 33. It's there in your outline. 
It says, immediately after this, this being the handing out of the bread and the fish, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. So the boys are one way, Jesus goes another. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. If you would underline that phrase, walking on the water. Here comes Christ on top of the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him. There's our boy. There's Peter. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. And look what Jesus says. Yes, come on. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Did you see the decision Peter had to make there? A pretty big one, I think. It, imagine this. Here's the scene. You know, Jesus is like, okay, come on out, Peter. You, you want to come meet me? Come on. Peter had a big decision to make. He could have said, no, nah, I'm good. I, I know it. I can see you. You're up closer now. Gee, I know it's you. Or he could have said, you know what? And he runs over the edge of the boat and did a swan dive into the water and swam out to Jesus. Or he could have done exactly what Christ asked him to do. He said, walk to me. Big decision. Big decision. Peter had to decide, do I trust Christ or not? Jesus said, walk. Can I really walk to him or not? I think sometimes we face similar decisions. Jesus tells us to do something. Like, for example, my finances are in trouble, trouble, Jesus. What do I do? Well, Jesus said, in your word, Jesus tells us to be more generous and God will bless us. And we're like, really? Can I, can I trust them? Really? I'm not supposed to live with them before we get married, but... The pastor told us to move apart until we're, we're literally, you know, married. And can I trust they're not going to leave me? Can, can I really trust you, Jesus, if I step in? Are you trustworthy or not? We face decisions like this all the time. Can we trust that Jesus is not going to drown us if we take that step over the side of the boat? There were three choices. We just said that. Peter, here's the first one. Sit. And a lot of us want to sit, right? I'll trust Jesus when things calm down. I'll be more generous when I have more money. I'll get baptized when my life is perfect. I'll get involved in the church when I have a lot of spare time. Think about that. 11 out of the 12 disciples sat in the boat. When the wind was whipping around, they stayed there. You know, oh, we're good, Jesus. We're going to hide here together. And when everything calms down, when the boat docks Christ, we'll come to you. And a lot of us treat him the same way. When I just get things perfect, then I'll be obedient. When everything works out, then I'll step out. This method will frustrate the tar out of you. Here's why. Because it's always going to be stormy. There's always going to be a wind whipping around out there. You're always going to wonder, is this the time? Is this when my life's perfect? Is there, has your life ever been perfect at any given time? Is there ever, there's always a reason to stay in the boat. It's the safest place. It requires zero faith. I'll just sit here and wait. It's frustrating because it's never going to feel, it's always going to feel scary. It's like waiting to be able to afford children before you have them. Is that ever going to happen? No. 
you got you to get out of the boat. That was his first decision. Here's the second choice Peter had. I could swim. I fill this in if you would. I'll trust Jesus the way I want to. I'll trust Jesus the way I want to. Now you imagine, if Peter would have jumped in the water and swam to Jesus, all the disciples would have been in the boat going, that's awesome, he made it. Peter and Jesus are together, that's awesome. Is that what Jesus told Peter to do? Jesus told Peter to walk. But it looked like it, didn't it? It's like, it's almost what Jesus asked us to do. It's sort of being obedient. It looks to the world like we're following him, but we're really doing our own thing. It's so much easier to swim to Jesus than it is to be obedient and walk to him. It's so much easier. We, we can fool a lot of people for a long time. I, I'm a Christ follower, but I won't do this. I'll do this, but I won't do this. The world doesn't know we're not married. Let's live together. Why not? It looks like we're being obedient, right? No one would ever know. We'll just, who needs weddings? But Jesus didn't call Peter to swim. Jesus told Peter to walk. So here's point three. Let's, let's go on. I could go on for that for a while. Number three, Peter had the opportunity to step. Please fill this in. I'll trust Jesus when I don't understand how or why. Can you imagine the scene? Peter's on the edge of the boat. And he's like, okay, I'm going to walk on water. Now, never in the history of mankind had this ever happened, including go all the way back to the Old Testament and Moses, right? Moses is leading the Israelites across the desert, and he stands at the edge of the water. What did God do? Did they run on top of the water? No. He parted the water, didn't he? And they ran through the dry ground. But here's Christ telling Peter, Peter, get out of the boat, and you're going to walk on the water. And he takes that first hesitant step. And it lands. And he's holding on. He's like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And he takes his second step over the side of the boat. And both feet are down. And he's standing on the water. The water held him up. But you and I know it wasn't the water that held Peter up. It's Peter's faith. Peter's faith. Jesus told him, walk to me. And when Peter got out of the boat, you can imagine how scared he was. You ever felt like that? What if I step out? It's scary. What if Jesus doesn't come through? What if Jesus doesn't do what he says he's going to do? What if Jesus is going to make me drown? I'm scared. What do I do? I, it's so scary sometimes to take that first step of obedience. But Jesus says, that's what I wanted Peter to do. Here's the world-changing thought. If you would, please fill this in. Safety and comfort have taken me this far. Safety and comfort have led you to where you are today. But look at the second part. Breakthrough starts when I step over the side. A lot of us are hoping for a better year this year, but we're still hanging out in the back of the boat. Jesus is calling us to do new things, to become more bold for him, to grow. But we're like, you know, when everything calms down, yeah, then I'll do it. But until then, you know, I'm going to hold on to the side. It's like me roller skating. You ever go to a roller rink? I'm kind of dating myself. They still have roller rinks around, don't they? I'm the guy holding the wall. I'm this guy, right? Because I'm so afraid that if I just let go of the wall and I get out there on my skates, then I'm going to fall. Jesus says, I'm going to hold you up. 
be bold. Take steps for me. It's time to let go of the boat and trust. What is it in your life today that you haven't done because you've been afraid? What is it in your life today that you said, if I just knew Jesus would come through, I would do it? 2017 is time to get that started. Let go of the boat and walk. To walk, to step, to be obedient. That's the key to growth. You can trust God. That is world-changing thinking. But Peter had a second decision to make this one. He didn't make too well. Let's look at it. If you would please fill this in. Second decision Peter had to make. Do I deny or defend? Do I deny or defend? So, Peter's hanging out with Jesus. They do ministry together for three years. And at some point, Jesus pulls Peter aside and says, Peter, I need to talk to you a second. Peter's like, yes, Lord. And Jesus tells him, hey, by the way, um, before this is all over, you're going to deny you know me. And Peter looks at him and hold, let's read what Peter says to Jesus. It's in Matthew 26, 33. Peter declares, even if everyone else deserts you, Jesus, I will never what? I will never desert you, Jesus. I'll always be yours, Jesus. You and I are tight, Jesus. We're best friends, Jesus. I'm in your inner three, Jesus. I'll never leave you. I'll never deny our connection. So then Jesus gets betrayed by Judas and he gets crucified and they put him in a tomb. And then, of course, the Roman authorities start looking for all of his boys. They start looking for all of Jesus' followers. So all of Jesus' followers kind of go into hiding, and, and Peter's one of them. And, and, and one, he gets detected. He gets noticed. And Peter has a very interesting choice to make. How do I respond to getting caught? Well, let's read it. Matthew 26, starting in verse 69. It says, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around them, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. This time Peter swore, not like a curse word, but he, another oath. I swear to you, a curse on me if I'm lying, I don't know the man. Every time I read this, every time I read this, I'm tempted to say, Shame on you, Peter. Shame on you. Not only, this is your friend. This is the one who, who asked you to come into his inner circle, the inner three. You were one of the top three disciples, and here you are selling him out, acting like you don't even connect to him. And then I made the second most dangerous thought. I thought to myself, you know what? I would never do that. Brian Vassal would never deny his connection to God. Then it hit me that I've done it before. Multiple times. I've disassociated myself sometimes from God. Now, what do I mean by that? I think if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of us do the same thing. Let's explain it. Number one, we do it through our pride. We start thinking that Jesus' role in my victory is less than my role in my victory. In other words, everything I do right is all me. Every promotion, every win, my kids coming out right, everything that happens in my life that's good is all my talent. Jesus who? God who? Now it's subtle. 
We're not saying, I don't believe, I don't, I'm, I don't belong to him anymore. All it is is saying, you know what? I'm the man. I did this. Now, you don't need to nod or respond to this, but you ever done that before? I think if we're real honest, a lot of us have. Here's the second way. It's through our beliefs. If we're not careful, what I think is best becomes greater than what Jesus says is best. The Bible is a wonderful guidebook. It tells us exactly how to live our lives. But if we're not careful, we kind of read it and start thinking to ourselves, well, you know what? My way's a little better than what God told me to do. The Bible's kind of outdated, isn't it? I mean, it's been around over 2,000 years. I mean, really? These things still apply? This is 2017. And if we're not careful, we start putting our own beliefs in place of what God wants us to do. We start denying him by the way we live our lives and what we choose to do. And if somebody were to see us from the outside, they would say, that's not a follower of Jesus, that's a follower of the world. We disassociate, we disconnect from God. And there's a third way. It's through our silence. Please fill that in. Somebody tells a joke, they use this the Lord's name in vain, and we don't say anything about it. Somebody that you work with gets picked on for reading their Bible at work. We don't step in. Somebody's broken down on the side of the road and we drive past hoping somebody else will pick them up. All these things happen. I found myself the other day walking into a store and I, have, I wear a cross around my neck. And as I was walking into the store, I tucked my cross into my shirt. And then it hit me, why am I doing that? Why, why did I do that? Was I embarrassed of Jesus? No. What made me not want to display my faith? Maybe the same thing that makes you not want to display your faith. You don't want to wear a label. You don't want people calling you names, Bible thumper, Jesus freak, hypocrite. Heard those before? How about in your family? You ever hang out with your family and say, you know what? I, I'm, aren't you that religious person? Don't you go to church all the time? No, man, not me. I don't know who you got me confused with, but I'm no different than Peter's decision. We disassociate ourselves from God, sometimes blatantly, sometimes much more subtly, but we've got to be careful because when we're starting to make, here's a world-changing thought. We're starting to make these kinds of things, thinking uh, adjustments. I'm not here to fit in. You're not here to fit in. If you're a Christ follower, you are not here to be like everybody else. Did you know that? You're called to be the light of the world. To shine for Christ boldly. Now fill this in if you would. Breakthrough starts when I rise up, risk rejection, and represent Christ. You want to make change in 2017? Stand up for Christ. Represent him. Be willing to be called a couple names here and there. Love when nobody else loves. Turn the other cheek when it doesn't make sense. Be a peacemaker in your family, not gasoline to the fire. Stand up. Rise up, be willing to say, and be counted with Jesus Christ. That is world-changing thinking. Now, there's eternal consequences to this. I'm going to read you a verse that when I read it, it scared me to death, and I want to share it with you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 33, from the NIV translation. It, Jesus is talking, and Jesus says this, But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. In other words, if you act like you don't know me on earth, guess what's going to happen when you get to heaven? I'm going to act like I don't know you. Ugh. But it's the truth. 
This matters. Oh, I would never betray Jesus like Peter did. Mm. It's gut check time. Would you? Would you not? It's got eternal consequences. It's time to stand up for Christ. So that's number two. Here's the third decision Peter had to make. Peter had to decide, do I live rejected or renewed? Do I live rejected or renewed? So here's what happens. Peter denies Christ three times, and he feels terrible about it. And he gets word, somebody tells him that, by the way, that resurrection that Jesus said was going to happen, it happened. And the Bible tells us that Peter sprints to the tomb, and he runs into the open tomb, and he sees the wrappings laying there with no body. And he starts to celebrate, yes, Jesus is risen. He's not dead. He said he was going to come back, and he's back, and it's wonderful. And you can only imagine about halfway through his celebration, he thought to himself, well, wait a second. I just denied this guy three times publicly. I'm going to have to talk to him about this. Now that he's alive, I know he's going to want to bring it up. I'm going to have to atone for this. I'm going to have to have an excuse to why I did this. I know he said I was going to, but I really did it. Man, I'm ashamed. And he knew it was going to come up. So one morning, he's out there on the water with his boys, and they're fishing. And he throws a net over, and they catch a bunch of fish. And the Bible tells us Jesus is out there on the shoreline cooking breakfast. I love that. King of kings, Lord of lords, frying up some salmon or something. You know, I love that scene. And he tells this boy, he says, hey, guys, come on in. Let's have breakfast together. And Peter thinks, oh, here it comes. I know now I'm going to have to atone for what I said. And they sit and they have breakfast. And Jesus calls Peter over. And he says, hey, Peter, let's talk a second. And let's see what, what, what happens here. It's in John 21, starting in verse 15. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asks Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I love this passage of scripture. I love it because the emotion is so real in there. I love when it said Peter got annoyed. He just gets angry. Jesus, you know I love you. Why do you keep asking me this over and over? I told you, I'm good. We're good. I love you, God. I love you. I love you. I love you. How many times do I? And you can only imagine as he was going through this in his head, it clicked. I denied him three times. And how many times did Jesus ask him the question? Three times. Three acts of disobedience on Peter's part were met with three acts of grace on Christ's part. Peter had a big decision to make, though. A big decision. And it would change the course of his ministry from here on out. Do I accept that forgiveness? Do I accept that forgiveness? Or have I done something that's so terrible that God can't use me anymore? Am I so broken? Have I made such a bad mistake that I am absolutely busted and unusable? I know Jesus says he forgives me, but can I be used by God? Or am I past the point of no return? You ever ask that question? Are you still followed around by who you used to be? I mean, I, we read in the Bible that Jesus forgives us, and we're like, thank you, God, for that. But then when we get home, we're like, but not me. 
I've blown it. I, you, there's no way God could use someone as broken as me to do anything good. Peter had to decide, do I accept this into my life or not? Do I accept this forgiveness or do I reject it? I've got good news for you. If you've messed up, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm going to bet that it's every single beating heart in this room and every campus and online. All of us have something in our lives we wish we could go back and change. All of us have messed up. All of us are broken. All of us are sinners. All of us make mistakes, just like Peter. All of us make bad calls. All of us have regret. All of us wish we could change something about our lives. And Jesus says time and time again, I forgive you. I forgive you. I love you. I love you. I forgive you. And we have to decide, do we believe that or not? Do I really believe Christ could forgive me as broken as I was? The stuff I used to do, what I still have going around in my head, can Christ use somebody like that? Jesus is asking you the same question he asked Peter. Do you love me? If your answer is yes, you can change the world. Peter, Peter, oh, he denied Christ openly in public. And Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. I forgive you, my son. So Peter accepted that grace and love. But there's two things we have to do. We have to accept Christ's forgiveness, and we also have to forgive ourselves. Oftentimes, part two is much harder than part one. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for allowing me a, a tenth chance. But do you forgive yourself? I put it in your notes this way. God uses our mistakes to refine us, not to define us. Everything you've ever done wrong has made you stronger. Are there regrets? Absolutely. But everything you've ever done wrong, you've learned, hopefully you've learned from it. And it's made you who you are today, good, bad, or indifferent. You are here trying to grow. All those mistakes, God uses every single tear you've ever cried, every screw-up you've ever done to make you better, to help you learn, to help you grow. Because that's what dads do. That's what fathers do. Jesus says, I forgive you. Who you were then is not who you are today. It doesn't define you. It reminds us, when we screw up, it reminds us, number one, that we're not perfect. People can change and that we need Jesus more than ever. He's the only one that could fix who we used to be. More than ever, we just have to make that same decision that Peter did. Do you accept Christ's forgiveness for who you used to be? and the decisions that you made in your past. Here's the world-changing thought. Please fill this in. There is no mistake too large for God to forgive. I'm going to repeat that again. There is no mistake too large for God to forgive. What comes to mind when I say that about yourself? What jumps to your heart? Oh, you don't know, Pastor Brian. I've done some stuff. There is no mistake too large for Christ to forgive. Please fill this in. Breakthrough starts when I accept God's forgiveness 
and realize my value to him. Breakthrough comes when I accept his forgiveness, just like Peter did, and realize my value to him. Church, I don't know what brought you in here today. I don't know what you're carrying. I don't know what's on your heart. But I know this, there is no mistake too big for Christ to forgive. We just have to do two things. Same two things Peter had to do. Number one, we have to realize that God is not done with you yet. You are not finished. Praise God for that, right? God is still working on all of us. He's still going to put people in your path. He's, going to go, he's still working on your personality. He's still giving you opportunity to come to him. He's still giving you opportunity to heal. He's not done with you yet. Ephesians 2.10 says, you know what? You are God's what? You're, here's masterpiece. Now, are there some brush strokes still that have to be added? Yes, there are on me. Praise God for that. I'm not done. You're not done. If you came in broken today, guess what? Join the club. You've joined everyone else here. This is not a museum for perfect people. It's a hospital for the broken. That's why we are here. You are the best work God can do, and he's not done working on you yet. And here's the second thing we need to remember. You have value. You matter to God. My father passed away in 1998. And as the oldest son, I had the opportunity and the responsibility, rather said, to handle the estate. And um, I say estate, but it's just his personal effects. You know, you have to go through the, the clothing and the box of stuff, you know. And um, my dad was never a guy who showed his affection. He never said, I love you. He, just, he was the kind of guy that said, you know, when you were born as a baby, I told you I loved you then. And if it ever changed, I would let you know. That just was his personality. It wasn't, and I always wondered if my dad was proud of me. Was he happy with who I'd ever be, who I'd become? He never said anything about that stuff. He, I didn't know if he was proud of me. Did he ever talk about me? He didn't say, I love you. I know he did, but he never said it. And my entire life together with my dad, I always wanted him just to stop me and say, Brian, I love you, but it never happened. I knew he loved me, but I never heard it. So as I was going through that box of things, I'll never forget this. I, I opened up the box, and inside the box was my dad's wallet. And it was, it was a dad wallet. You know the wallet I'm talking about, right? Beat up, never wants to replace it. It was that dad wallet sitting in there, and I opened up that wallet, and I will never to this day forget what I saw. His wallet had, I think some wallets still do, those little picture sections with the, the clear picture section. And I opened up that wallet, and right away, the very first thing I saw in that wallet was a picture of me. And it was a picture of me when I was like nine years old, like an old picture, a picture that had been weathered and taken in and out of that, that picture sleeve over and over and over and over. And I'll never forget what I did. I took that wallet and I held it to my face and I sobbed into it. Because I always wondered, did my dad value me? Did he love me? Did he care about me? Did I matter to him? Did he, what did he do? Did he take my picture out and show his friends? And when I saw my face there, I, uh, all that emotion just, just flooded, flooded out of me. And I knew, I knew that I had value to my dad. If you came in today, church, all of our campuses, if you came in today wondering, do you matter to God? Your picture, so to speak, is in God's wallet. He knows your name. He knows what you've done and he loves you anyway. He brought you here for a purpose. He's gifted you in some amazing ways. And sure, You've messed up, and I've messed up, but God says, you know what? I'm not taking that picture out. I love you as broken as you are.
The question is, the decision you have to make, will I accept that forgiveness? Will I allow Jesus to cleanse me and say, just, I love you with the way you are. I'm going to continue to help you grow, but boy, you're special. You're amazing. You're the best work that I can do. It's an important decision that we have to make. So church, I leave you with three final thoughts. Number one, will you trust Christ in 2017 and get out of the boat? What is it in your life that's going to require a big step of faith? You know God's calling you to do it. It just takes a little courage. Second thing is this, will you stand up for Jesus this year? Will you be unashamed of your faith and live a life that, that says, hey, you know what? I don't care what you call me. I represent Jesus Christ. Or an and. Will you accept his love, his forgiveness? If you've messed up 33 times or 43 times or 73 times, Jesus is going to ask you 73 times, do you love me? Will you accept the free gift of forgiveness? This is not a religion that we're in, folks. It's a relationship. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you, there's just an unforgiveness unquenchable, everlasting, strong, overflowing, overwhelming love that Christ has for you. If you've heard nothing else that I've said today, leave with that in your head and put it in your heart. This can be the most amazing year. If we can make world-changing decisions like Peter did, follow the good ones, learn from the bad, and move forward, you can change the world too starting with, with you. Are you ready to take that on? Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you today and God, we are grateful. We're grateful that you allow us to make decisions like this. That God, help us to take that step out of the boat and trust. Father, help us not to be ashamed of you, but to declare you proudly as the light of the world. And God, help each and every beating heart in this room and their families, Father, to just say, you know what, God, I know I've messed up, but it's not who I am today. I accept your gift of forgiveness so that I can move on. Thank you for loving me as I am. Help me to become how you want me to be. And we will give you the glory, Father, for every breakthrough and every change that's coming. It's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen. Let's give God a hand today if you would.